I've titled our study today, Get Off the Roller Coaster. And I know some of you are immediately thinking about going to the amusement park and getting on that fun thing. It's not much fun for me anymore. But anyway, that's not the roller coaster I'm going to talk about today. We want to talk about emotion. And the emotional roller coaster that life can be sometimes. And the reason I want to talk about that is because I believe that emotion is a good thing. I believe it's something that's given to each one of us individually by God. And it's a great thing for us if we manage our emotion properly. But life throws things at us that become very difficult at times for us to manage properly. And I believe it's very difficult for us to be at our best and be what God wants us to be in this world when we're in a constant state of emotional turmoil. Now, I know there's times in life that it's just a reality. And if you're in one of those states today, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because we've all struggled from this from time to time. This is not an issue that's a woman issue. It's not an issue that's a man issue. It's a people issue. We all struggle with our emotions. And I want to look at some things we find in Scripture in hopes of helping us to manage our emotion in a way that we can be most effective as we live for God in this world. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the apostle says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We can find the stability for our emotions that we need when we'll look to God. And we look to His Word And we need to notice here that this promise He makes is conditional. And we've got to keep the first condition before we can have a reasonable expectation to receive the promise. And when we ignore the first part of this, and then we're upset upset with God because He hasn't given us that peace, then we haven't done our part, have we? So we need to focus on our part and then take comfort in the fact that God will do His part and that He's faithful in doing that. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 2, the Bible says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. One of the things we learn from Philippians chapter 4 is that our emotions and our mind are connected. Our emotions follow our mind. And I know sometimes things get out of whack and there's physical things that affect our emotions. But I'm talking about when we're not having a physical problem, then our emotions follow our mind. And I want to illustrate that here with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2. 
what was going on here is that these folks had decided that the Lord was fixing to return and they just apparently quit working. They quit doing the things that they needed to do because they thought the Lord's return was immediate. Now notice how that affected their emotions. And Paul says you don't need to be worried about that. Don't let your emotions be shaken or out of control. Don't be troubled. And then he goes on to explain to them that there were certain things that were going to have to happen before the Lord would return. Okay, that's one extreme. I don't think that's our challenge today. We're, our challenge is more like what we find here in Luke chapter 21. Now here Jesus is talking to the Jews the Jewish Christians, if you will, about the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And he's trying to prepare them for that. And this is what he says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So again, he's given them certain conditions that were going to be in place before this destruction came. But then he goes on to say this, and this is where I think you and I need to pay particular attention. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. And we're going to come back to Luke 21 here in a, in a moment. But what I wanted to point out here is the contrast between what we read in 2 Thessalonians and what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 21. One group was afraid the Lord was going to return immediately, and that affected their emotions one way. And this group here, Jesus is warning them to not let the cares of this life affect their emotions in a way that would keep them from remembering what's going to happen. So the point is, is our emotions can be a challenge to manage them properly to help us keep the right perspective about things. I want to make some specific applications now. And I know Brent preached, I guess it was about two weeks ago, about, about money and it gave us some excellent instruction about that. But I, what I want to do is take a few moments and think about how our finances affect us emotionally. And when our finances are out of control, it's literally like being on a roller coaster. It's up and down, and it affects our relationships. It affects our relationship with God. So we need to get a good handle on our finances. You know, Paul said here in 1 Timothy 6 that, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And I know when we get a group of people together, we've got a wide range of people when it comes to the amount of money that they have. 
But do you know it doesn't matter how much money you have if your desire is to be rich? You're asking for trouble. If you've got very little money, but your whole focus in life is to be rich, you're just going to find yourself with much heartache. If you've got a whole lot of money today, and your desire is to be rich, it's the same problem, the same challenge. So money's a challenge for all of us, regardless of how much we have. And it affects us on an emotional level. And we need to manage that. And we need to remember the things that Brent talked about. The importance of having a budget and the importance of saving and setting priorities when it comes to our finances so that we can be in control of our finances and this desire to be rich is not in control of our life and of our emotions. And the problem with money is it doesn't matter really how much you have you're going to spend all of it. That's the nature of money. John or Jesus says here in John 6, Labor not for the meat which perisheth. Remember Brent said it's a mistake to spend your money on things that you don't have anything to show for it. These things perish. They come to an end. They're not eternal. And Jesus says, don't focus on that. And the very thing that we think is going to bring us security in this life, lots of money, does nothing but cause us misery. It's one of the great paradoxes of the contrast between physical and spiritual things. So labor not for that meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. You keep your focus, keep your mind on that everlasting life. That's where we're going to find emotional stability in all of these issues we talk about. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Now, I want you to remember this statement. I want you to remember this statement. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. That's what tortures us, folks. We have these expectations of life, and when those don't, expectations don't come to fruition, we're disappointed. Sometimes angry. Set your hopes on things eternal. I want to talk about relationships and, and not being on a roller coaster in our relationships. Godly re relationships are a blessing to us. I've listed these things, co-workers, friends, brothers and sisters, 
our, our earthly family, all of those things are a great blessing to us. And they bring blessings to our lives, and we enjoy the blessings that come from that. But any one of these relationships can go off the rails. And when, the, when it does, that can put us on an emotional roller coaster that just brings tur- turmoil to every part of our life. And there's part of relationships that we don't have any control over, folks. Do we think about that? We enjoy the blessings of the marriage relationship, right? And when it's gone, we miss that. We miss that. But what about when it's not gone, it's just messed up? It's a roller coaster. I want us to remember Matthew 7 and verse 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I hope you see why I want, to, I want us to think about this, because this is the essential part of having godly relationships. You cannot control the other party in whatever relationship you're talking about. You cannot control them. You have no control over that. You have some influence, we hope, but you don't have control. So I, I want to ask you, if you've got a, a friend that... You don't have the kind of relationship with a friend that, that you want. What are your options? You can call them up and chew them out and explain to them how they're being a terrible friend. Or you can do that. You can treat them the way you want to be treated. You can show them how to be a good friend. And you can keep on doing that regardless of what they do. You want, a, you want a better friend? Be a better friend. You want a better spouse? Be a better spouse. Show your spouse what it is you want them to be. Don't gripe at them all the time thinking you're going to change them. Show them what you want them to be. Get off the roller coaster. We make it harder than it has to be, people. And I know the devil's at work. He's at work in all of this stuff. But we can bypass the devil if we'll take what God has given us and we'll do what he says. You want a better coworker? Be a better co-worker. Show them how to be a team player. Whatever the problem is, you can't fix other people. And we think we can get on that roller coaster with folks and just ride it up and down and wherever it goes, and sometimes it's more like a riding a bucking bronc or bull than it is a roller coaster. 
2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So in our relationships, one of the things that challenges us is our expectations. We expect certain things. From every relationship that we have, I don't care who you are, you have expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, you're disappointed, frustrated, angry. Just go down the list. So, maybe we need to adjust our expectations. Cast down our imaginations. Because that's where our expectation comes from. We imagine that these relationships ought to be certain things. We need to cast down those expectations, those imaginations, and bring them within reality. I have two verses here from Romans, Romans 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Remember I said you can't control other people? Other people are going to do what other people do. But as much as lies within you, the things that you are able to control, you live peaceably. You know, we look at the, the, the family units, unit, parents and children. And one of the things that happens in our families constantly, seems like, is somebody decides to make a problem out of something that really shouldn't be a problem. They're not trying to be peaceable. They're... T- Whoever does that, and it's not just the kids that do this, folks. The kids mimic what? They mimic what they see their parents doing. We need to be peaceable. Romans fourteen nineteen. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Is that our goal in our relationships? Or are we just in them to get what we can get? We're never going to have the kind of relationships that God wants us to have when we have that selfish mentality. I love this verse because I have said already more than once that we can't control the other person, but guess who can? So you do what you're supposed to do in your relationships, and when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You do what you're supposed to do. You act the way you're supposed to act in every relationship that you have.
And then we do this. But I say unto you, Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I think it's been well said. It's very difficult to maintain bad feelings towards somebody you're praying for. But we just struggle with that, don't we? It's easier to be upset, upset than it is to step back And do what God has asked us to do. You know, our health and failing health can put us on a roller coaster. And it's a roller coaster nobody wants to ride. But it's up and down. And I want to say before I look at the verses we've got here that the strong have to bear the burdens of the weak. And we're never going to solve all of this. We're never going to take the disappointment and the struggle that our physical health can be out of the equation. But we need to remember, Paul said here in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now one of the things that I think we convince ourselves sometimes is that, yeah, but Jesus never had this. Right? I don't know what he had. All I know is that he was tempted in all points. Just like we are. He had the emotions He had the hurt. He had the rejection. He had all of the things that we deal with in life that affect our emotions. And I believe he had all of those things. So we need to remember that. So when you have a health problem and somebody has the urge to come tell you the worst experience they've ever heard of about that particular problem, remember Jesus understands. He knows. Even when the brethren don't. And there's different challenges on these deals, folks. 
You know, think about a husband and wife when one is sick. That's one challenge. Well, then there's another challenge for the one that's the caretaker. It's a completely different challenge, but they're on this roller coaster together. And they need all the help and encouragement and prayers that we can give them. And there's a way to find emotional stability, but it's, it's fleeting. But we need to help all that we can. First Peter 5 and verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us in, unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle. That's the part I want to emphasize today. We know we have God's promises. And He's promised to do that for us. He will bring stability to our emotions when it seems like they're completely out of control. Remember we talked about hope earlier? Where's our hope? We hope to have good health. And I hope you have good health. And I hope everybody that's on our prayer list is returned to good health. But that's what we want. And there's nothing wrong with that desire. But we know the end of all flesh. And yet, don't lose hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Folks, we can't, we can't survive without hope. We have to have hope. And God gives us hope. We have hope in this life. And when that's gone, we have hope in something even better. So don't lose that hope. I told you we'd come back to Luke 21. Because Jesus mentions a couple of very specific things here that, that, I, that I want to talk about. Because what he says here is that in a general sense, the cares of this life will affect us in an emotional, at an emotional level in a way that will blind us to the things that are really important. And then he, but then he mentions a couple of very specific things. And in the ESV, these things are called dissipation and drunkenness. I believe the King James uses the... the oh, it left me. But anyway, the point is, is that this word means drunken nausea. Now, when we think about addiction and alcohol and those type things 
we think about the fact that drunkenness is very clearly described in, in Scripture as a sinful behavior. But do we think about the emotional toll that that takes? How that affects our emotions? I assure you the people that have struggled with these addictions know very well what I'm talking about. Do the rest of us? And do we take the warning that Jesus gives us here and recognize the danger? But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down, depressed. Worldliness has no fulfillment. It's not going to be what the devil's trying to convince us that it is. In Philippians 3, verse 18 and 19, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. You remember we read, we read Philippians 4 earlier? And I said about that, that our emotions and our minds are connected. Do we see that connection here? People who have turned their belly, their desires, their earthly wants into their God. It's the most important thing in their life. And does that describe you and I at times? We think he's talking about people off out there in the world. He's talking about the danger to Christian people. And they become enemies because of what they have decided is the most important. Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 says this, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Now, let's understand what he's saying here. You know, we talk from time to time about what a great life it is to be a Christian, right? And there's great blessings that we enjoy because of being a Christian. You talk to some folks about that, they have no idea. And that's who he's talking about here. They don't get it. It makes no sense to them. They have to give up too much to be a Christian. But notice what he says, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Our emotions blind us, people. When they're not managed, they keep us from seeing the truth. They keep us from seeing the thing, things the way that they are. And what we want is the most important thing. He goes on to say, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness, with greediness. And that's what worldliness does to our emotions. It convinces us that 
When we behave that way, we're going to feel good. It's going to make us feel good. We're going to get what we want. And it's a terrible lie. So the Apostle Paul says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We need to recognize, folks, as Christian people, that worldliness is a threat to our emotions. So, this is one of the worst roller coasters there is. And I've talked to people occasionally, and they, they say, well, yeah, I watch Fox News most of the day. How can you do that and not be completely insane? And I just tell you, politics will drive you in that place. If you try to... And we know what Romans 13, 1 says. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Our job as Christians is be subject to the government, whatever it is. And I've said before, I'm going to keep saying it, I don't believe the verse says that God chooses our leaders. I think when God has a purpose that He wants to accomplish in this world, He will use whatever leader there is to accomplish that purpose. But we need to be subject to whoever's in charge. And we need to get used to the idea that our leaders are wicked and evil. And we will hope and pray for things to be better. And we need to keep doing that. But at the end of all of it, regardless of who's in Washington, we're supposed to be subject to them or Austin, or Plainview. The powers that be are ordained of God. And here's my challenge. I I have looked at some of this and put my hope there. My hope for my country. Well, we forget this world is not our home. And if we're not careful, we'll do exactly what Isaiah 31 talks about. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. They were looking to the great power at the time, Egypt. And he says, woe to them. And they stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. They had a giant, huge army. Most powerful army on the face of the earth, apparently, at the time. But they trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But here was the problem. 
They look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Politics is not the solution to our problems, folks. Politics are the problem. We need to seek the Lord, and we need to trust the Lord. And we need to stay off of that roller coaster. First Timothy 2, 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Can you lead a quiet and peaceable life right now? I, I think we can. And that's what we need to be praying for. And yes, I, I see the merit to our country returning to some Christian values. I think it will accomplish that if it did. But the goal is to have a quiet and peaceable life emotional stability. So we need to get off the spiritual roller coaster. And I'm talking about people that want to go from partial to full to no commitment to partial to full. It's a roller coaster. And we need to get off of it. First Kings 18 and 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. <laughs> Curious about that. Wasn't that their answer? We've got to decide. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot make spiritual things a priority and hang on to the world. It's what we try to do. We don't want to give up anything that we don't have to. Right? Remember James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See how that affects our emotions? We're not stable. When we're fully committed to God, that's where there's stability. Didn't say there wasn't problems there, but there is stability there. God is faithful. Hosea 10 and verse 2 says, Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. We can't have a divided heart. We've got to be all in, as the phrase goes. And we need to be all in. That's where we find the promises of God. Ephesians 4 and verse 14, that we henceforth be no, no more children tossed to and fro. See the roller coaster? It's time to grow up, people. So I want to go through these quickly. I said in the beginning, we're not 
trying to eliminate emotion. But we do need to think about the solutions in Scripture to negative emotion. And think about this. We remember the Bible says that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, right? Are you at your best when you're angry? Well, I'm not. I'll just tell you. Does that mean I'm going to completely eliminate anger from my emotional makeup? No. Never going to get to that place. But there clearly are things that we can do to manage that. The first thing I want to notice is what Jeremiah said about this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Our emotions lie to us. And we know this on an intellectual level, but we don't feel it. But our feelings aren't facts. Our feelings are following our mind, remember? And whatever we think about something, that dictates what we feel. And it's deceitful. And it lies to us. And we need to remember that. Feelings aren't facts. Genesis 37, verse 34, Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And it was all a lie, wasn't it? His brothers sold Joseph into slavery, took his coat of many colors, dipped it into some animal's blood, and took it to Jacob and said, This is all there is. And he believed the lie. And look what it did to his emotions. We've got to make sure that what we're thinking is based on the truth. Second Corinthians 4, 8, 9, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. There's limits. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Yes, we feel these emotions. But we're going to draw a line and refuse to go any further. Are we troubled? By many things. But don't be distressed. It's going to all work out. And that's a choice that we're going to have to make. We can take our trouble way past the point where it ought to be and we'll be distressed. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. When it comes to our relationships, people, forgiveness is the key to having stable relationships. And I don't care if it's marriage, friends, brethren, children, every relationship that we've got, if you want to have stability, you've got to forgive. And that's a complete separate sermon, right? But it is the key 
to having emotional stability in our relationships. Hebrews 13.5 Contentment is the key to having stable emotions when it comes to our finances. We've got to learn to be content and not always be wanting something more. And our world is based on the idea that we need more. But we've got to learn to be content. Matthew 10 and 14, Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. I wanted to put that in there because sometimes there's adjustments we have to make in all of these areas of our life that are reasonable. Do you think they were disappointed when they were out taking Jesus out to the world and they were rejected? Well, of course they were disappointed. Did it stop them from working? No. So, at some point, you've got to shake the dust off your feet and keep going. Philippians 4 and 6, where we started. Stop worrying. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These things that afflict our emotions, we need to turn them over to God and stop worrying. I want to conclude with this in Colossians 3 and verse 2. We said in the beginning, the mind and the emotions are directly linked. So set your minds on things above. And I know these earthly things have to have some attention. But our focus needs to be on things above. And to me, that's the ultimate solution to our emotional turmoil. The study's yours. Thank you for your attention. We never want to close without offering the invitation. If you have a spiritual need in your life today, we want to give you the opportunity to take care of that. If you'll come and have a seat on the front while we sing this song of invitation, we will help you with those needs.